The most important thing is that you have a vision, that you have a goal. Because without that vision and without that goal, again, you're drifting around and you're never going to end up anywhere. People don't become successful just by accident. You're going to get your ass kicked, we're going to get the shit kicked out of us. You got to get up, you got to have faith that the one thing you wanted to happen, oftentimes is the best thing that never happened. So have faith, just keep that in mind, keep plugging away. Never accept the limitations of someone else. Somebody told you that it's impossible. Don't even try. Give up before you even fucking try it for yourself. Never accept the goddamn limitation that someone else has placed upon you. And now, fitnessinformant.com presents the Iron Union Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back inside the booty. And the beast. Yes, we reverse, we all reverse, new sub, new look <laughs> here at the FIHQ. We decided to bring the podcast upstairs and out of the bedroom, which was a little, I mean, the only thing that belongs in the bedroom, D, is something that's not existed in my life because I'm married with two oh children and a third gracious. on the way. You're so deprived. I mean, that's one way to put it. <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, I, I just did a cardinal sin. I just said, what's up, guys? Yeah, and you always, always give crap to everyone who does that. Side note, if you are an <laughs> influencer on the Instagram or the TikTok. On the Instagram and, and the you, TikTok. And you start with, hey, what's <laughs> up, guys? Um, you're an idiot. So therefore, I just did it on a podcast, and, and therefore, I can't elicit He's a response. He's expecting a response from every single one of you. That's yeah, I mean, if, if someone's going to open up their <laughs> stuff and be like, hey, what's up, guys? This is so-and-so from wherever. Like, right, if you see somebody in public and you say, What's up? You expect a response. <laughs> of course. So why the fuck would you say it on a podcast like I just did or on Instagram or TikTok? When, are you gonna, do you think people are going to go down to the comment section and say, hey, you asked me what's up. So let me tell you about my fucking day. I'm going shopping at 11 o'clock at Target. going to grab that white mocha cappuccino because it's almost Christmas season. And then who knows? Maybe I'll buy condoms because they're on sale. Yeah, that's I mean, what look we at expect. that. that anyway, is what we we're in. This is gonna be a fun little episode. It's been a little bit, um, been a lot of bit, and uh, we've a been very long time traveling like crazy. And we keep saying like, "Hey, we're gonna be more consistent with this podcast." I think it's gonna be a lot easier up here in this environment because it's a lot more conducive to conversation with people. And we're gonna obviously have guests on, but today we want to focus on a couple things. The big uh, topic, which will be second half of the show, is talking about. Mental health. Now, this is something we probably should have covered back in September. Yeah. Right? Because September Definitely. is National Mental, Mental Health Month. Um, I we, think we've talked about it for multiple months doing this as a topic. And then we just got like different people to come on and it just kind of got Or just didn't do back. it because yeah. we were busy. That More so happened. that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think um, you know, as we get into it, you guys will, will hear our stories. I, I believe we both have had our own issues, mental issues, mental health issues, rock bottom issues. We hear about it quite often um, in the position that I'm in at Fitness Informant. I have a lot of people with Fit Butters. We have uh, a fit family team that, um, you know, at times they go through things and they open up to us. And, and obviously like their information to us is confidential. We're not going to share those mm -hmm. stories, but we get it a lot. But um, before that, I think we're going to address like the big gorilla or the elephant in the room in which we are currently as of today. And this is November 8th, I believe, 2022. It is uh, the voting day, yes. election day. Fit Butters is the only brand that I know of that has publicly pulled out of both the Olympia and the Arnold Expo. Yes. And I don't necessarily want to, I'm not trying to encourage others to pull out. That's not what I'm trying to do. 
what I want to do is shed light on what's going on in the world of bodybuilding. Whether you believe what's going on or not, I think it's important that people educate themselves on the accusations and the investigative report from the Washington Post. It's surprising how many times people will be like, oh, I didn't even hear about that. You know, well, it's like it's either that or it's the opposite. It. It's saying, oh, we knew about this forever. It's about time somebody stood yes, up and said something. Both ways. So some some backstory here. If you haven't seen it, the Washington Post did an investigative report on the IFBB and the NPC. They interviewed um, many women. I don't know the exact number to get their stories. And, and several women and, and more women have stepped up and said, like, I felt pressure to do this in order to place higher on my shows. Now these, mm-hmm. to do what? I mean, they, they don't go into a lot of details, but what they do talk about is is posing nude for pictures in which they were sold on what they would call softcore pornography websites. Mm-hmm. I believe the link to that is these women didn't receive commissions or compensation from that in which- And that, they weren't aware that they were going on the website. Yeah, I mean, so there, there's, I mean, read, read the report, watch the video. They weren't aware that they're going on the website. They were supposed to get 50% commissions on, on, so there is a part in there where like, hey, I agree to pose nude, but I get 50% of whatever you sell and then they, they weren't paid. And then there's the part where like, I didn't realize I was gonna be on these websites. And I believe mm-hmm. these websites were owned by um, JM, which is part of the Mannion family who own these websites. And I think some of these websites may still exist today. So that's the first part of it, right? Washington Post interviews, former Olympias. Actually, so there, there are, there's a couple things here. The first part is like, this girl felt pressured to do these photos. She did these photos. She finished last. This, uh, there's another female in there. It might be the same female that is one of the star witnesses. When she was a police officer, she falsified workman's comp claims to basically get paid to not work. So there's question of her character. Uh, another lady interviewed in this actually won the Miss Olympia. She won figure. She said that, and I quote, that she never really felt too pressured to do things, but she was asked to pose nude before. So here's, here's a couple things. There are, there are a lot of channels out there being like, well, look at your star witness as a criminal. They try to lie on workman's comp claims. And then your other star witness said that she didn't feel pressured. The fact that somebody even asked you to pose nude to begin with is wrong. Mm-hmm. whether they pressure you or not, like your job is not to go up to a, an athlete and say, would you mind? But doing you also this? have to remember that even if there isn't like say pressure or like anything that's behind being asked, there still is the knowing that this man has great power in the actual bodybuilding world. Correct. So like knowing that he's the son of the board and like all these different things, it, even if he doesn't pressure you too hard, at the same time, in the back of your mind, if you are a woman that is doing well in these competitions, the last thing you want to do is, oh, because I didn't do this thing that one of these big people asked me to do, did I lose because of that? And, and she also mentioned that, you know, after she had a baby, mm-hmm. pretty much done with her. Like, like they had no use for. Um, so, so whatever you want to think about the star witnesses, there are going to be more women that step up. There's officially been a class action lawsuit filed against both the IFBB and the NPC. Here is, as a father of two girls, yes, I'm frustrated because a, women should never be exploited or taken advantage of. Men should never be exploited and taken advantage of. It doesn't matter your sex, your gender, your your sexual preference. That you should never feel pressured to do something you don't want to do. First and foremost. Now, these accusations in this investigative report came out in the Washington Post, which is one of the most reputable journalistic publications on the planet. This is the publication that outed the Catholic Church in terms of, if you've seen the movie, The Spotlight, obviously it's a Hollywood depiction on on what happened, but 
they ran with an article. So they're not going to run with an article in which they don't believe in which their sources are correct. Now, I've heard everything from this is a 10-part series to there's going to be a documentary. Apparently, there's a follow-up coming up to this about steroid use and death in IFBB and NPC turning a blind eye to it. So I think there's a lot more to come, especially with the class action lawsuit. But the response from the Mannion family is one of the most despicable, degrading, disgusting responses from a business that I have ever seen in my life. Now, Danny and I own businesses, two of them. If somebody, and we had, if, if we had a staff of employees and somebody stood up and they, they accused somebody of something as severe as what is being discussed in this Washington Post article, even if Danny and I thought that that employee was batshit crazy and full of shit and lying, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't come out and basically call them a liar. No. I would, as a business owner, say we take these allegations extremely seriously we are going to do a third-party investigation into these allegations to see if there's truth behind them. The IFBB, the NPC, Jim Mannion did not do that. Now, I guarantee there's a PR firm that he's working with saying, like, please don't mention these accusations word for word. Yep. It wouldn't have been that fucking hard to hire an outside firm to do an internal investigation into your son, into your fucking family. And if they found that he was Scott Clean, boom, now you have the proof saying, hey, we did an internal investigation, third party. Yes, you're going to pay some money. IFBB, NPC, you make so much fucking money to begin with anyway. You're a nonprofit, yet you make so much money. <laughs> Spend some money on an internal investigation. Do the right thing. Come out and say, we take these allegations seriously. Even if you think that they're frivolous and full of shit, you do not say that publicly. You sympathize with the victims. You acknowledge the accusations and you do everything you can to help rectify what was apparently done, right? So A, a third-party investigation is big. Now you, go, now you, can, you can stay in your soapbox and be like, hey, we put together an NPC competition community, an IFBB competition com committee. Why did you put those together, Jim? Mm -hmm. You didn't say one time in the emails that you sent out to athletes, which I got my hands on the email, on why you were forming this competition committee. You're, you said that due to recent news. Okay, so what, what is this competition committee gonna do? Now, the people you put in charge could be very good people, right? But what, what, what are they going to do? Are they just going to be there, basically be a, a landline, so if you feel abused or emotionally or sexually exploited, you call this number? And then what happens? Does it get brushed under the table? Does something mm -hmm. happen to it? So as a business, when, when this report came out, I think it was within minutes, I looked at you and I said, we're, we're out. Well, you went to drop off our daughter back at mom's house. Yep. And... Literally, like, he saw this article probably, like, five minutes before he left. And on the way to drop her off, which is a 20-minute drive, he texted me and said, I think we need to pull out of the Olympia. So it was a very quick decision. And I think I definitely stood behind it. Like, I, I think, as you said before, like, many people had assumptions or thoughts that this was happening. But when you see an article like that where it's, like, women coming forward and, like, having mm -hmm. real, like, stories it makes it hard to like say, yeah, we can still go support this. And there are going to be people who are like, well, didn't you, don't you feel like you jumped the gun a little bit? Isn't it innocent until proven guilty? Yeah, technically. What about Sean Roden? What about Mr. Olympia? Accused of rape, the Olympia stripped him of his opportunity to defend his Olympia title. The Olympia stripped him of an opportunity to defend his title because there was allegations and accusations of rape. Innocent until proven guilty? Not in that case. Mm -mm. Listen, our target consumer is Danielle. 28 to 35-year-old females. Those are the females who are stepping on stage at these IFBB and NPC shows. 
if this is going on or even there's a sniff of this going on, I want nothing to do with it. To do with it. Mm-hmm. Now, if it comes out saying that the, you know, if it comes out and says that all these women are lying, that's highly uh, unlikely, I think. And Mike, I can't imagine, like, like I was telling Daniel, it's not like somebody just posted this on Facebook. Like this was a Washington Post curated article in which there's going to be now a, obviously a class action lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the comments on our post on Fitness Informant. Many people with IFBB in their fucking name saying, it's about time this is going down. Like I've yeah. seen it happen. This happened to my girlfriend. I don't know how many people are going to stand up and talk about it, but I feel like if this was a fabricated story, there wouldn't be so many people saying things like, I saw this happen here, or this has been going on for a while, or like Lee Priest saying, I've been saying this for years, but they they suspend me and took away my my opportunity to talk. So Mm -hmm. everything right now points to like this stuff is going on within the IFBB and NPC, and a competition committee does not change the culture. Mm -hmm. Culture only changes when you make change at those who turn the blind eye to what was happening. And if leadership at the IFBB and the MPC, specifically the Mannion family, turn a blind eye to what was going on, they need to be removed from power. Mm-hmm. And so as a brand at Fitbutters, there's one of two ways in which we return to the Olympia or the Arnold or any event associated with either the IFBB or MPC, and that includes local events. Mm-hmm. Mannions are removed from power and there is a cultural shift. Okay, that's number one. Number two, if there is going to be an investigation into this, and it's found out that this never happened, then okay. However, I, I, again, I feel that's very unlikely. Mm-hmm. So for right now, for us, as a brand, to go back to these events and participate in them, because these events are not cheap. Even though the Olympia is not the IFBB Olympia or the MPC Olympia, it only exists because there's this big thing called a bodybuilding show in which to compete at the Olympia, you have to be an IFBB pro. So am I going to spend $6,000 on a booth, another $10,000 on travel and accommodations, another $10,000 on freight and drayage fees to be associated with something tied to what is going on, which I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not encouraging other brands to step up and do whatever, do what we did. You are grown men and women. You can make your own decision. I felt very uncomfortable being associated with that as our brand. We are going to revert our money into other things. We're going to look at things potentially like triathlons and marathons and more endurance events. I think that's a great fit for us. I don't need to be tied to what's going on over here. And CrossFit. And CrossFit. I mean, there's a lot of athletics out there. Even CrossFit had issues. Like CrossFit had issues too. What happened? The guy who who caused the issues removed, Mm -hmm. gone different culture in place. That's how change has to happen. And I don't see it happening with the Mannion still in, in no. leadership. So that's our take on that. That's why we pulled out. I felt great that night. I feel great today. Uh, we will still continually cover what's going on in these allegations and reports. And if there is a documentary, like you can follow Fitness Informant, we cover everything there. I am a, I'm biased in this sense that I don't believe women should ever be taken advantage of. And as a father of two girls, it irks me, disturbs me, disgusts me to think that this is going on. Mm-hmm. And the last point I will make is we've had conversations with people and we've had dinner with people and they looked at me and said, Ryan, did you really not know this was going on? And the answer is no, I didn't because I'm not that balls deep in the IFBB or the MPC. I don't go to shows all the time. I go to the Olympia. I covered as a spectator. Mm-hmm. I have friends who are IFBB pros but I don't know the ins and the outs and what goes on with the judges and the politics. Well, I they always talked don't. about, like, even some of our friends, they talk about, like, certain judges being at certain places and, like, being very subjective and, like, saying... Well, it is subjective. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, very, very subjective, It's an athletic right? and you hear, course like, of action you know, tied to a beauty pageant. Yeah, for sure. And you hear, like, obviously, there's, like, 
thoughts that there may be like, you know, sexual things or whatever going on, but like you would never expect to hear like a legit story like this. And I definitely did not know that there is like the nude photos and all those things. Like I, I wouldn't no have expected that. So like the fact that people are like, well, so oh, I'm you really didn't know this? Like- no, I had no idea. <laughs> zero, zero idea. And the last point I'll make is if, if you were one of those people who knew factually that this kind of thing was going on, that women were being exploited for cash, for clout, whatever it might be, shame on you. That is a huge mistake. Because mm-hmm. when I see something that is wrong, sure, you might be scared to step up and say something because God forbid they're going to revoke your fucking IFBB pro card, whatever that means nowadays. Do the right thing, always. Literally do the right thing. And the right thing is going and telling the appropriate people, informing the right people. And the right people in this situation were probably not the Mannion family or upper chain. It was maybe maybe your local precinct. I don't know. But I'm saying is like the long, long story short of this is we're not tied to any of that. We're not going to be tied into that until real change is made. I don't think competition committees is real change. I think it's just, um, I think it's bullshit to be completely honest with you. We will not be at the Olympia. I wouldn't be surprised if um, the Olympia pulls my media credentials and doesn't let us come back. Listen, I'm, I'm friends with the, the leadership at the Olympia. They know that I don't fault the Olympia. I don't fault the Arnold. I think that there mm-hmm. are really good people at both the Olympia and the Arnold, like really good, hardworking people. But in this case, it's kind of guilt by association because this show exists because you have to be this to compete there. I, in good faith, as a business owner, as somebody who supports women and men and everybody's rights, I can't, can't do it. So that's that off my soapbox. Uh, you know, it, it seemingly seems like everybody that, you know, most people agree with us and I don't care if you don't because it's the right thing to do for our business. It's the right thing to do for our girls as we as parents have to mm-hmm. set an example for what we believe is right. Uh, and, and this is what we're going to, this is what we stand by. So will you see us back at any you know, bodybuilding shows in the future? There's plenty of natural shows out there, different organizations. Um, you know, obviously there's a vetting process to those as well, making sure that mm-hmm. there's nothing going on there. But there's plenty of places for us to be. It doesn't have to be off stage in that in that environment. We love that environment. I love the sport of bodybuilding. I like the pageantry of bodybuilding because it mm-hmm. is both. Um, but from a business perspective, it's just, it's not a good fit. So we're gonna take a quick break. Come back. Talk mental health. Um, get get a little real. I, uh, I I'm. Listen, if you followed FI for the longest time, you've probably heard some of the stuff that I'll talk about. Some yep. of the stuff from Danny will be maybe new, um, but it's important for us to be fully transparent, both on fit players and fitness informant. And honestly, if our stories can resonate and help people, that's the main goal with what we're doing here. Adding my product is going to help you get to where you want to be. Five percenters is 5% of the people in the world that are willing to do whatever it takes to reach their goals. We're talking about business, success, education. Willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. For the last two decades, we have been the best kept secret of the supplement industry. We've kept our heads down and worked. We pioneered full label transparency and full therapeutic doses because we believe that truly hard work requires truly effective tools. Two decades is a long time to commit to one pursuit, but when you act with purpose and become centered in yourself, eventually you realize that you were born and bred for this.
The things you once thought impossible, you now do every day. We don't like the easy way, just doesn't feel right. We'll take the long, hard road over a shortcut any day. It takes longer, sure, but in the end, you know you earned it. And with the right team behind you, pushing yourself further than you've ever been will be just another afternoon doing what you love most. Back inside, FIHQ. I think of a cool name for this studio slash living room slash kitchen slash dining Buckeye room. house. <laughs> I mean, it looks nice on camera. It does. So that's the main thing. So, um, all right. Mental health. I would venture to guess, especially because we live in such a, we live in a world in which people see everything that people do. Mm-hmm. Like growing up, we had a landline telephone. You, you memorize everybody's phone numbers, but you didn't know like everything that's going on. Literally today, in 10 minutes, I can sit on the couch at, at TV and witness what somebody did for an entire week of their life. You know, it's funny because I think even though I'm, what, seven years younger than you. Yeah, you're a baby. My, yeah, I'm a baby. My, like, growing up in high school even, like, you didn't have Facebook, social media, and all those things until, I until college. college. Yeah. I had them in high school. I was at the very beginning of the era of, like, MySpace, Facebook, Instagram, all of that while I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, like cell phones are coming out and all those things. And like you saw kind of the, obviously now it's much, much worse. And you see like all the cyberbullying and all the things that can happen with social media. But like at that time, like cell phones are very new, the, all of the communication and all that stuff, like that was still a big impact on like my high school life. Yeah. And so like I, like I, I've told you this before, like I went through a lot of bullying and like I went to like therapy and like all these different things. Cause I was literally like losing my hair and my doctor referred me to go to therapy. And I still to this day say that like therapy is the best thing that anyone can do. Like huge, huge for me. But yes, now I literally am scared to see what it's like for our girls when they go into high school, knowing how much more of an impact, you know, jumping on their phones and social media and all those things will have. Well, social media is interesting because <sighs> it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse you know, for some things. For, as, as a business for fit players, it's great. Like we can mm-hmm. target individual people based on certain characteristics, based on certain geographic locations. It's kind of creepy what you can do. Very creepy. I didn't know half the things that <laughs> I do now since yeah. like knowing you. You can literally, you know, I can, like I was telling Danny, like you, you can literally use somebody's Apple watch and oxygen levels and wake somebody up on a radio ad that's close to a Starbucks. Like you can literally do all that stuff. But what else you can do on, on social is you can hide behind an alias. You can send aggressive DMS. You can comment on somebody's, you know, posts about something and be extremely negative and people constantly read the negative comments. So, I mean, it, mental health, I think, you know, for the longest time we didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. It existed. Is it, was it as prevalent and as large as it is today? I bet I you think it, was, it was. I think it was still big. We just didn't I talk think it was the awareness of it now. And like, I think it's more focused on as like, be aware of it, do something about it. 
and it's like okay to talk about it now versus back in the day it was like kind of like a voodoo thing like oh no don't talk about it like if you're saying something's wrong with you like people are going to judge you Mm -hmm. and so I think now yes it's more like a more awareness and people are more willing to admit like hey I need a mental health break but at the same time like I don't think it's more prevalent I think people are just announcing it more it's when people say I need a mental health break there are times that I think like, what does that exactly mean? Like, is it, is it, is your mental health being negatively impacted because of your presence on social media, because of your personal relationships, because you're being stressed out at work? Like what is the root cause of that? And I honestly, you know, with social media, I think a lot of it has to do with relationships with people that you've never even met before. Like people, especially Mm -hmm. in, in my position, right? Like I run this platform that has 20 plus thousand followers that gets 40, 50, 60,000 visitors to the website each month. These people don't know me they will negatively comment on things. And for a long time, it bothered me a lot. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, damn, like what did I do to piss this? I'm, I'm such a people pleaser like you. Oh yeah. That I didn't, I, you know, it, it would hit me and I'd be like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, and even today I'll post something. I'll have like maybe one of my friends text me something that's a little bit of aggressive. And now I'm just like, I don't fucking care. Mm-hmm. But I did. And uh, you know, that starting the business, I wanted to make sure I was going to be brutally honest and transparent in what I'm doing when it comes down to reviews or, or scientific, scientific um, you know, explanation that I had to essentially just say, fuck the comments and the haters and people out here. So, I mean, there are things that I would say about certain brands and brands would come at me. I've been threatened to be sued multiple times because they didn't like what I had to say. They're just bullies. They're just being little bitches. That's what they're being. They don't like to hear the truth. But so I would say like my... Um, my struggle with mental health, I would, I would venture, I would go as far as saying that it really stemmed from social media. And there's kind of two fronts from that. Um, the first front would have been like the negative comments that came at me, whether it was from pro wrestling, whether it was from fitness informant, not so much fit players. We have a lot of love on fit players. Um, you know, some of you may not like the product or whatever, but that's your own nothing opinion. coming that's at me. Not bad. Like, fitness informant people would come at me, not necessarily the content that I created, but literally at me. I've been, called a steroid abuser, been said I was gonna be dead in two, like things like that nature. It's like, that's kind of fucking rude. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I use steroids. I'm not an abuser of them by any means, but I definitely use them. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna be dead in two years. I guess I could, but I mean, thanks. Appreciate it. Um, But social media also, you know, allowed me to be a complete asshole of a human being. I was able to, I mean, I could be in DMs and I could flirt with girls. I could chat with people this is before this time obviously she knows this but like I mean it allowed it allowed me to be somebody that I was going through a self-identity crisis in my life like I didn't know what I wanted to be and because of that and because I got caught up in what was going on in social media and this desire to feel wanted and to feel needed you go down certain rabbit holes at certain times and Mm -hmm. that you might think at the in the in the in the moment like god damn I'm at the I'm swinging the biggest dick here, right? Like I, these ladies want me, but in reality, looking back on that, I was a miserable piece of shit. And I was only doing those things, I think, to cover up the fact like that I was hurting inside, that I was feeling empty for whatever was going on in my life that was not being fulfilled. So I was trying to find fulfillment in other places that I thought this is where to do it. I do think a lot of people do that on social media. Like they're looking for approval. They're looking for those compliments that they're not getting. They're looking for, you know, girls are posting selfies and, and gym men. photos. And oh, of course, of course. I'm just doing that because I'm right. a woman and I resonate with that. But you've definitely posted those. Oh yeah, before. for sure. And you're always like 
when you're posting in social media and you're looking for, you know, a certain amount of likes, a certain amount of, you know, comments, like people saying you're looking good, you're looking great, whatever. And then you don't get that. There's like this level of like, you know, disappointment. And then you're starting to like question, like, am I doing something wrong? Am I not good enough? And like all those things that like, sadly, social media should not be the measurement of that, but it becomes that way because it's an easy way to see that, like Mm -hmm. see it physically, like this number of likes, this number of comments, this many people want to see what I have to say. And you don't get that anywhere else in life. No, I mean, because people are too afraid to speak to people in public, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, hey, if I can... But even if you do get comment compliments in, in public, like, it's not like it's a count and it's not publicly shown. Right. Right? Like, people don't go to your profile at the gym and, like, you know, without being on social media, see, like, how many people liked it, mm-hmm. you know? And now, you know, you can see someone at the gym and find them on social media and be like, wow, they have, like, 700 likes on this, you know? And, like, that gives you some type of, like... I. I have another status. Word for it. Like yeah, I mean, like you're, a status. You're, yeah, that's you're, a good way to put it. Yeah, you're you're a big deal if you yes. have X amount of whatever. I mean, when you first started following me at FI and, and realized like what we kind of do, you thought that was a big deal. I still don't think I'm a big deal at all. I, don't <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? And he was, you know, at that point, you were making all these stories and making this website with all these like different things, and I was like, he he's like a big deal. The like he's an influencer. Like I remember thinking that, and then obviously now I'm in the day-to-day life and it's a little different but i would still say you're a big deal no not at all um (laughs) he's a big deal it's yeah i mean i've so back to like just my personal dilemma with mental health i've never been in a in a situation where i've wanted to hurt myself Mm -hmm. um you know so i think there so i would let me let me clarify that i've never wanted to hurt myself or commit suicide or any of that type of stuff like Mm -hmm. but i've thought about what life like what would be the implications and the repercussions if I was gone? Meaning like yeah. if I was gone from the planet tomorrow, who would come to my funeral? What would I look down and what would I see? Or what would I look up and what would I see? Depending on where they send me. Um, so I've, I've had those thoughts like would the world be better with me gone out of it? Again, never to the point where I was going to go grab a gun or a knife or, or pills or whatever and, and do it. But I, I, I don't necessarily know if it's uncommon for people to think about what the world would be like if they disappeared. I think we've all had, I shouldn't say all, but I think a lot of people have thought about like their own funeral and thought about their own death and like, Hey, you know, how would this person be if I was no longer here? And especially like if you're in relationships and you go through a tough time and people are like, yeah, you couldn't, you know, there's, there's always somebody in a relationship that's like, this person couldn't survive without me type thing. And then they start thinking about like, I wonder what would happen here. And, you know, I've had, I've had like dreams of me in a hospital room and, and literally like Rory and Charlie having to come say goodbye to me and things like that. It's never like to the point where I want to be gone, but like look at that. I'm like, I can't fucking go anywhere. Like I mm-hmm. can't leave this planet. And I would say like, so there, I never wanted to physically hurt myself, but I was depressed, sad, didn't give a shit about anything. And, and um, you know, I, I think when I was going through that time where I was just like doing whatever I wanted to do without any sort of care about the repercussions or who I was hurting or what I was impacting. And you guys on like the FI platform or obviously Fitbars didn't exist at the time. Like you didn't see that kind of stuff because I didn't post that kind of stuff. No one posts those type of things, right? Like the highlight reel. But that's me coming out and being transparent. But like I was a real, real piece of shit, like a garbage human being um, that 
I can't go back and take any of that back. Mm-hmm. And I've said this in multiple podcasts, like, you know, do you have regrets in life? And I think if anybody ever says, no, I don't have regrets because everything that I've done up to this point led me to this it's point. perfect, yeah. No, we all have regrets. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do I regret a lot of the stuff that I did? Yeah, I do. Because like, it's not, it's, it's shameful. It's not mm-hmm. something that I look back on at 35 years of age and that I'm proud of. It's a lot of things that, you know, accumulated on top of each other to the point that led to my divorce. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and ultimately, like, you could ask me, like, if I didn't do those things, would I still be in my first marriage? And the answer is no, I don't think I would be. I was doing those things because I was feeling empty and, you know, obviously unhappy. They're, they're unhappy mm-hmm. So like do this because this is going to make you happy. And it didn't. Um, but with that being said, it would have been a lot easier just to leave the relationship. You know what I mean? Like it would have been easier on her. It would have been easier on me. And, and um, eventually when I did move out and leave the relationship that I was in, I smashed into the ground and hit rock bottom because I think the realization, like while I was in the moment doing whatever the fuck I wanted to do and, you know, whatever it was, like didn't care. But like as soon as it hits you, like once you're out of that element and once you're out of that life in which you – maybe didn't love being part of in the begin with, you kind of feel lost. You're like, yeah. what the fuck do I do now? For and sure. like, A, I had a daughter and still have a daughter, obviously. And I was like, okay. And now I try to put myself in her shoes. And even today, like it's not a mental health thing, but it still pains me today at 35 and we're happily married. It'll be two years. We have a kid. We have a third, on the, another one on the way. Um, it still pains me that my daughter, our daughter has to have two homes. It kills mm-hmm. me that it has to happen. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go to the point saying like, that's a mental health thing for me. It's just, it's sadness for her. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not, as I talk about this and Danny will talk about hers too. Like, I want people to understand something like, I don't think divorce is a bad thing. I want to make that perfectly clear. Like, I think for the longest time, divorce because of the, of, of established religion was sinful it was mm-hmm. bad. It shame on you. Like if you were unhappy in a marriage, like when our parent, my, my mom different divorced several times, but like, I think the more religious the family is, even if you're unhappy, now, now there'll be people saying like, Hey, if you're really religious, you learn to love your significant other and you're not never unhappy. That's, that's not true. There are plenty yeah. of probably religious people out there who are very unhappy in their marriage, but they choose to stay because they made a commitment in front of God. They have kids. I would just say a lot of people, I think stayed together because of the idea of their kids not having one home right and I think that back in the day like it was much more accepted to just deal with not being happy and doing it for your kids and Mm -hmm. that was considered a selfless act and I still to this day anyone who does that and does and can do it like obviously I understand like I can't imagine Charlie you know, not having one home and I and I even with Rory like feel sad and like Obviously, there's that moment that I know that she'll ask more and more questions as she gets older. I'm like, why mommy and daddy have two homes? And like, that's always going to be saddening. But at the same time, like, are you going to sacrifice the majority of your life to not have that? Like, they can still mm-hmm. have a very fulfilled life. That, that was the justification for a lot of my decision to move on was, will I be a better father being happy? Or will I be a better father being present 24-7 going through the motions Mm -hmm. and yeah I would love to be there 24 7 but I also want to be happy because I I I, I'll tell you what like Rory was young and you know how I am with like young kids and I don't love that part of their life like it's just not fun for me but 
I believe that I am a much better father being in an environment which breeds happiness for myself than if I would have stayed in an environment where I felt unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, whatever. Maybe I'll never fully under, get to realize what that is because, you know, Rory was young and that was during a stage of life that I didn't get to, you know, converse with her now. But, like, even with, you know, going through the motions with Charlie, like, yeah, I don't, I don't like, love the pooping and peeing and crying stage and it frustrates me, but, like, at least... I think I appreciated it more uh, in a situation in which I was happier with it. So, like, you know, obviously after my divorce, it was, like, January. Danny was around. Um, we were friends for a long time. And, like, really, her and I were going through some shit together. Um, you know, she had her thing. I had my thing. And we were kind of there for each other. But, like, I also, <laughs> it's important for people that are listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube to understand, like, our relationship is not perfect Mm-mm. at all. We have had many bumps in the road. Sure. We've had <laughs> some serious bumps, um, you know, to the point where it was, we didn't, we didn't know mm-hmm. what was going to happen between us. Um, and then we'll always have minor bumps in the road. Like that's going to happen. I think one of the things that we have done um, in our relationship is try to really encourage communication. Um, I think that's huge because a lot of people like to fight in silence. And I think that's, you know, when, when you get the silent treatment and you like run out of the house and leave, like that does no good. Like, sure, yeah. maybe you need an hour or something to cool down. I get it. But like fighting in silence doesn't, doesn't help. But again, like, yes, we are happy, I believe. <laughs> um, but we've had our shit and there, there's a lot of stuff in our relationship that is untold. It'll stay untold. Um, but it's stuff that we had to deal with together and we had to find the strength within ourselves to determine whether or not this is what we wanted mm-hmm. and to move forward. So I'd even say like, I've had some mental health issues within this relationship slightly. And, and, um, you know, I don't think it ever goes away. I think in this world, now mental health is going to be prevalent. It's going to be existing. I think it's been encouraged to talk about it, especially from a men's side of things. Like, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, not that it was easier for women to say things, but men like are taught from our fathers and from their fathers and grandpas. Be like, stone cold. Be stone cold. <laughs> be, be, you need to be strong for the family. You need to be the workhorse of the family. Like if you're sad, buckle up, you little bitch. You know, like that's, that's what we would get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything from our high school football coaches and, and even like middle school football coaches, like if we, you know, even something like if something hurt, like man up. Yeah, you know? for sure. You're not hurt, you're man up. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it's a fucked up thing for sure. Like when you go through depression, it is one of the worst things in the world. I don't wish it on anybody. I don't miss those days. Uh, I'm much happier now. But like, you know, you obviously were in a situation that was confusing and I think you probably felt unfulfilled. I mean, I'll let you tell it, but like, you know, Danny and I have been, before we were like emotionally involved with one another, like we were friends, started over a a tub of Total War (laughs) pre-workout of all things, which funny, the first date we had was at a a, a Redcon function in South Florida. So it's like Redcon's been kind of the, the brand that you know, brought us together. Brought us together. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, like you, uh, you know, I, we've talked about this, but not something you really talk about publicly very often, but you went through some shit. I did. I did. I mean, I think at the time I felt very stuck and I went through with things that I was, I honestly, if I wouldn't have looked at the pressure around me, I wouldn't have went through with my first marriage. Like that's the reality of where I was. I was very afraid to say no. And I had all the invites out. I had the pressure of my family and all these things. And at that point, I remember standing up 
on the day of my marriage and saying, I don't want to marry this man, but I have no choice. And lo and behold, like, you know, five months went by. And like you said, communication being a big part of what we are, I didn't communicate anything with him. It was dead silent on my end. I was not obviously a good wife to him either, but like at the same time, like I didn't want to go through with the marriage and it ultimately ended in five months. Mm -hmm. And that was something I had to accept that once I did end it, I went through a period where, yes, I hit rock bottom. I was ashamed. I avoided my family holidays. I didn't want to see anyone. Like I remember literally sitting in my, my sister and I lived together. I was in my shower, like literally every single day sitting down, like music blaring, some sad acoustic music and just crying. And I felt like I couldn't trust my own decisions. I couldn't like, sorry. Um, I just like, didn't know who I was anymore. And I thought I was so sure that I wanted to marry him. And then suddenly it switched that I was like, what decisions can I trust anymore? And at that point, like I definitely hit rock bottom. I made lots of bad decisions. I searched for approval. I searched to figure out who I was. And at that point I was very, very mean to you <laughs> as, I mean, obviously that's not something to laugh about, but at that point, like we, we've talked about it many times. Like I was not a good person at that time. Like there's a lot of points in my life that I had a lot of mental health issues, like through high, like high school, I had a lot of things that happened. College, I had points where I was not proud of, you know, like everyone has points that they are not proud of and they struggle small things, right? But at that point, I can say that that was like the lowest of the low. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely had to like dig deep and figure out like where I was going to go at that point. And I honestly, like, like you said, like you have bad thoughts when you hit those points. And I, I would say it was a good like five months of me just like struggling and like not knowing what to do with myself and not liking who I was. And I'd like you, like, I never went to a point where I thought I was going to like end my life or anything like that either. But I definitely had points where I just wanted to isolate and not see anything or anyone or do anything. And like, it's a scary point, you know, like I got up, went to work, my sister lived there and I, her and I didn't get along very well at that point either. Cause of some, like some of the decisions I had made and it was hard. It was a really hard point in my life. And thankfully, like you give me the ultimatum one day and we came through, but like those times are not easy for anyone. And no. I, I mean, obviously not everyone hits that low, low point, but at the same time, I think a lot of people hit a point where they don't know what to do. And like at that point is like when you do need to reach out to someone and find, you know, someone to talk to. Cause I really do believe that like trying to isolate yourself, like that's our natural response is to try to like go through it on our own. And it just, it doesn't work. <laughs> it does not work to like, at that point, like your reasoning and your thought process is not clear. Yeah. And I mean, so we'll, we'll, we'll work back to the ultimatum comment. So you guys don't think I'm a complete <laughs> fucking asshole. Okay, um, yeah. But like, it was literally an ultimatum. Uh, <laughs> we were, we were friends for a long time. We so like, and he helped me through a lot. of. I things. knew what she was going through. And at the same time I was going through the same things. Like, do I want to be here? Am I happy here? And she going through the same thing. I remember like literally like her wedding day, I was in, in the gym working out. I was on a leg press specifically. I'm like, this girl doesn't want to go through this right now. Like, I'm going to drive there, like, as her friend at that point, as somebody who actually cared deeply for her, like, I'm going to drive there and, like, 
steal her and make sure she doesn't do this. I didn't do that, obviously. Uh, in hindsight, maybe I should have. But it was like through these struggles and through the shit that she went through and for the stuff that I was going through and, and for the conversations that we had had, I think what happened, at least on my end, is it happens to potentially a lot of people is like I... You know, I was still in a relationship at this time, but I fell in love with this girl. And I was like, you know, this, I understand what she's going through. I feel what she's going through. I know who she is as a person. And like, I, I knew that she needed somebody to be there during that time. And that somebody was going to be me regardless of how she treated me because yeah, there was, I mean, we used to like meet, work out together and then she just stopped showing up or not telling me and like just trying to avoid being around me at all costs and being around everybody at that point. But like, you'd still text and be like, you know, I'm actually like happy when I'm with you and we're working out at the gym. And, um, you know, it just, it get, it mm-hmm. got to the point where I knew, you know, I knew I was out of my relationship. We were going through the process. I knew where I wanted to be and who I wanted to be there with so like after you know I'd left and I hit rock bottom there was no guarantee she was there in fact she wasn't there um and that's where I was like what the, what the fuck am I doing um so one you know one night I you know I, I also knew that she liked me and I also knew like through all her cloudiness and, and whatever the fuck was going on that she would be very very happy with me and it just had to get her to trust her decision to do so because you just said like you had a hard time trusting your own decisions and literally one night, like, it was like, this is how it's going to be. Either you you stay or there's a door. She got up and started walking <laughs> towards the door. Um, no lie. She's he, got he kind of, like, made the hint, like, you need to leave. I, I wouldn't say that. But, like, she gets up, starts walking <laughs> towards the door. And I literally said word for word, I go, what the fuck are you doing? Like, everything that you told me that you want in life I can give that to you. Like, we can mm. do that together. You know, at that time, it was, I can give it to you. But now, you know, everything that we have that was on that checklist, like, we got together as a couple. And it's one of the house, one of the family, like, all these things. And we were able to do it. But at the time, when, you, when you're going through so much shit and you don't trust your own decisions and you don't trust your best friends around you even, like, you don't necessarily see it. And for whatever reason, I was level-headed and clear. And I knew, like, if you would just commit and 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 go 100% in on this, we could do whatever the fuck we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And here we are, uh, it'll be almost three years mm-hmm. in January, like house, two babies, obviously Rory, two businesses. We've got to travel the world. We have um, things in our life that we don't necessarily need, but they're nice to haves. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the, the thing is like, you can go through shit in life and, and sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to realize really what you want. And like I said, like we got together and, and then, and then we had our own shit that happened. Um, but it, it really tested us as a couple, as friends, as parents on like, okay, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. And wasn't easy, wasn't fun, but I think coming out of all that, I think we're in a really good place. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you know, going back to like the stuff that I did um, prior being an asshole, like she has access to all my DMs by my choice, like intentionally, like she has this <laughs> informant. She, like it's not my 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 uh, personal Instagram, which I barely even use. But like I don't, you know, it's it's easy to walk through my home, not on eggshells, being who I want to be when I'm not trying to hide something. And I have no reason to hide anything because I feel fulfilled. I feel happy. Um, there are days where I'm stressed and there are days where I'm, I'm anxious because of business, but I don't feel like I'm struggling mentally anymore. For sure. For sure. 
I'm on the same page there. You should. Sure? Yeah. Sure? Okay. Because after yeah. this podcast, maybe we hit the <laughs> not record button. Maybe we'll get some admission or whatever here. <laughs> so yeah, you can go through some shit. But the most important thing is if you are going through shit, like Ian, and you find yourself pulling a Danielle, like pushing those people away from you, closest to you, whether it's her sister or me, like if they are good people in your life, they won't let you push them away. They'll mm-hmm. pull you closer. And, um, you know, but at the same time, like, understand like you be careful because if you do push everybody away and maybe that they're not people like desi or myself like sometimes people just go because they don't know that something's going on Mm -hmm. so if you don't open up and converse and communicate they may feel like you're just pushing away because you no longer want to be part of their life and then you're left with nothing Mm -hmm. so tell somebody if you're struggling don't don't hesitate ask for help it's the the most self like asking for help is not a bad thing Mm -hmm. i know it's hard um and if you need something, even DM us at Fitness Informant. Mm-hmm. Like we have been there. I've had plenty of men and women contact me about their relationships, about divorce, about single parenting. And I am happy to use my downfalls to help somebody make better decisions than I did. For sure. I mean, I think I still even t- like, even now, like I have you know friends and people that reach out that like, even after you admit that you're not doing well and you're hurting and you're depressed or, you know, you're struggling and you admit that you've hit rock bottom, like it is still not easy to get out of that spot. Mm -mm. So like realizing that, yes, the first step is for sure admitting it and like looking for that help, but like know that like it's not going to be a quick, you know, stand up and go the second you admit it. There's going to be a process of, you know, unfortunately emotional things and mental things are much deeper than just, you know, like a physical, you know, I broke my arm, let it heal. Like you have to do the work and like dig deep and like really try to figure out what is the problem. And that's not easy. No, It's a lot longer process, I think, than any physical healing process. We appreciate you guys tuning in this episode. If you need anything, obviously reach out to us at Fitness Informant, fitnessinformant.com. Fitbutters is the food company we own as well. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, write a review. It helps out the algorithm. We will be back next week with another episode, hopefully a guest. Um, That's it. Appreciate it.